0: and welcome to Conversation with a Chef. I'm Jo Ritty, and I love sharing with you the conversations I get to have with talented and passionate chefs. It's the backstory, if you will, to the food they're putting up. Today's chat is with Florian Riebel at Vex in Westgarth. I wrote about Vex for Broadsheet a few weeks ago and was keen to catch up with Flo again to hear more. He made me a coffee, and we sat outside in the courtyard beneath the huge lemon tree. The way Flo talks about cooking and his life as a chef is captivating, and I could have easily listened for hours. But since opening a couple of months ago, Vex has garnered such a following that Flo and co-owners Rory Kennedy and Owen Probit have a big day ahead weaving their Vex magic. And I was keen to get home so I could share this glorious conversation with you. So here it is. I think you're going to love it. Hi Flo, thanks for talking to me again today.
1: <laughs> Very glad to be here. Uh,
0: yeah, yeah. We, well, this is your place, but um, I have spoken to you a lot because I wrote the article for Broadsheet, and I had so many questions. Um, and thank you for being so patient
1: <laughs> with me. Not a problem. It felt like I was co-writing.
0: Yeah, you, you really were. <laughs> and I did quote a lot of your things, like. Um, fix being one
1: liter off sex yep yep I'm Part using two. that a lot these days yeah you're happy yeah. with it <laughs> definitely have, uh, some people were surprised that it even came out because um, I'd always joked about saying it and then I just kind of every time I say it the guys kind of um, like have a little giggle in the background, but um, I'm just going with it now.
0: I know, I was that's really pleased <laughs> it that it made it through the editing as well, I was like, yes. Well, we, we literally <laughs> just
1: got written up in uh, Monocle as well, and I said the same thing to him, he's like, well, I don't know if that's going to fly with the editors, and it didn't end up going in. Go broad, Yeah.
0: So, Vex, which is hard for me to say in a New Zealand accent, and for it to sound like you say it in Australia, yeah. but um, nevertheless, um, how long have you been going now?
1: Uh, we have just finished our second month of yeah. operating, um, and we've been in the space now for, I guess that makes it five months. Yeah. Sort of waiting, was waiting. Yes. Um, And taking our time and kind of trying to predict things. Yeah. But it's been good so far.
0: Yeah, and when I spoke to you initially, you were having limited numbers, and now you're at full capacity?
1: No, not full no. capacity yet. Still so got some still, limitations in yeah. place. Okay. But, um... We're really fortunate that we sort of put a uh, a working model together that I suppose was a little bit experimental but in essence is pretty old school it was that whole notion of you're going to run a tight team and everybody has to be able to jump onto doing whatever needs to be done in that moment mm. and that sort of got us through you know the restrictions then being unexpectedly a little bit more busy than we thought we were going to be you know really on edge mm. but at the same time that's what we wanted to be Yeah, you know didn't Really, want to overstaff or make things too easy on ourselves? It's much more important that we got a good idea of how to run the space.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. And
1: then we've been able to do that through restrictions and then light, light loosening of it too. So,
0: and you're working with friends too, aren't you? So,
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. We now we joke about it if we're still friends or not. We're we'll allowed to say that we, <laughs> we are. We definitely are. No, it's been really good. Um, I think above all things, like uh, friendships are friendships, but um, we have a lot of professional respect for each other which kind of partially predates that, partially just overlaps it. Mm. So, um, yeah, so far it's going really nicely.
0: Yeah. And I have to say, I, I don't... I feel I always feel in two minds about fact checking because obviously you have to fact check for articles. But you know, if someone tells you they work somewhere, mm-hmm. I just want to obviously believe that. <laughs> but um, in fact checking, um, Al May said how much she enjoyed working with you at Neighborhood Wine, and I just really loved that because I had spoken to her for conversation with the chef as well, and she's so lovely and so um, incredible at what she does, and I just really loved. I mean. Uh, and I could tell that from, from you being here as well that you, that you are as well but just it's always nice to hear really lovely things about people and, and everyone said that about all of you so it's um oh,
1: that's great I think, <laughs> I think good people attract good people yeah um, and you know sometimes that doesn't work out um, but the people that you've worked with um, remain good people you're good people it's nice to breed, uh, breed a little community here in Melbourne I guess where that's sort of happening a fair bit
0: yeah
1: um yeah, working with Alma was great. Neighbourhood was an awesome experience. And, like, obviously those guys are just kicking huge goals. It's, yeah. like, m- immensely impressive. Yes. And, you know, I mean, you'll hear the same thing from Owen, who, you know, was at Marion, which is just, you know, a monster is doing great things. And some of the other people we work for have got been really fortunate.
0: Yeah, and Little Andorra looks like a great place as well. I That's beautiful. Totally there, understated
1: yeah. and underrated. Yeah. Yeah, looks awesome. Um, it doesn't really matter who's there, it's always a good time. Yeah. Um, and always got interesting wine. Mm.
0: And where did it all start for you? What made you become a chef?
1: Uh, failing at art school for the most part. Oh. <laughs> yeah. The um, <laughs> <I>, door closes. <laughs> yeah, well, basically I had to start paying bills. Um, oh. So hospitality was a pretty quick in. And I went from pouring pints in a pub to being a waiter in the bistro next to it and then eventually seeing that the kitchen was having a lot more fun. Um, And for me it was that bridge between a craft, uh, a trade and a bit of an artistic pursuit at the same time. Mm.
0: Um, And where was that?
1: I started out in Perth um, and yeah, pub life for a little bit. before deciding to get a little bit more serious about it and finding some restaurant work, which slowly developed, did my apprenticeship over there, and then packed my bags and headed off to Austria and then London.
0: Because mm. you've got family in Austria.
1: Yeah, basically the entire family's Austrian. Yeah. yeah just my little family model um, module sort of has been moving since I was born. So Yeah. Yeah.
0: So, um, so Perth to, to Austria... And you're working over there as well?
1: Yeah, yeah. I, I went and actually um, stayed with my aunt and uncle um, in this tiny little village. And there was a, a new uh, up and coming chef that had just gotten a couple of hats in his first year and a tiny little fine diner that was only oh. open three nights a week, um, part of a small family run hotel. And yeah. that, was, that was, yeah, amazing. It's in like the base of a valley going foraging a lot in the forest that were just up the slopes and getting to meet a lot of local producers and stuff. It was very, very hyper-seasonal and fun.
0: Yeah. So was that, it sounds like it was quite a small thing, but obviously it had a really good name. So was it um, really busy? You...
1: Like it was as busy as it could be because it was essentially two people or three people in the kitchen running oh. a place trying to do, you know, 14 courses for maybe a maximum of 25 people a night
0: yeah and that's european or so not just austrian food but
1: more yeah i'm i think the austrian fine dining scene was largely sort of like french influenced anyway um but he was basically using purely just produce from his little region mm. so he had no option but to kick in a fair bit of austrian so that's yeah where a lot of my sort of like inspiration comes from these days yeah
0: that's right
1: yeah it kind of ended up happening i don't know i never really thought it start cooking more Germanic, Austrian food, but it's just happened.
0: I was on exchange in Germany a very long time ago, so my um, recollection of, and I was up in Lübeck, and so I I just really just remember the um, the Wurst and the, um, and maybe we went to Munich and we had Weisse Wurst. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Wurster, yeah. um, but I, and, and Kaffee und Kuchen, but I don't really remember It being great food, but that was a long time ago.
1: (laughs) Look, to be fair, I think it is, in a lot of areas, like, particularly inspiring. Like, (laughs) it's it's pretty straight down, like, the barrel kind of stuff. It's your sausage and mustard and horseradish and bread. Um... But yeah, I think like around the sort of cities and stuff, like in the smaller communities and stuff, where there's a bit of farming happening and some really delicious stuff, and like really of unique course. unique kind of processes. Like we're about to bring on some, well, we're about to start recipe testing some stuff that, um, you know, stuff I hadn't seen anywhere else before, mm. um, except for in this one tiny little part where I happen to be working. So I've got a couple more Austrian things coming on yeah. just because of it.
0: That's the beauty of it too, isn't it? Um, and European countries many European countries it's, it, they are very very regional in their food and, and you can only they do only do it in that region and I think that's yeah. incredible it's like you know if, we, if, we, if I was to be properly seasonal as you chefs are you know and only eating or cooking food in that season it's really incredible in that season and then yeah. you wait the whole year I think when you go to that town and you have that particular thing it brings um, a specialness to it
1: yeah as, that's right as I, well I think it's like it's, it's a very hard one, like, I, um, I particularly love, like, good produce that is well grown and in season, and it just kind of means that, like, there's probably only about two months of the year where I can actually be eating tomatoes. And like, mm. the rest of it, I just can't deal with it. It's like it's, it kind of has ruined it for me since, like, learning what that is. Yeah. It just doesn't work for me anymore.
0: I want to be like that. I want to be really, you know, what's the word? discerning, yeah. <laughs> and instead I'm like, oh,
1: tomatoes. Mm-hmm. Oh, look, I say that, but I have two children, so at the end <laughs> of the day we buy whatever they want, and like, <laughs> yeah. it's going to be there anyway, so,
0: you know. I mean, I was following a really inst- um, interesting uh, Instagram thing, a story of, um, in, um, what's his name, oh, i just forgot his name, so the whole story's not, oh, um, Nicola, uh, in at ha- Hardware oh, yeah. Club with his child, and he would, you know, he's talking about being a chef, and then what his child will actually eat, yeah. and I was <laughs> just... Yeah. It must be challenging.
1: <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I had a moment of pride in, like, Emil, my son, had his first oyster here, like, on our first Sunday open. So that was pretty cool, and he's into it now, which is, you know, I can't wait to take him oyster eating.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, but yeah, like, the you know, kids can surprise you. Like, he's a pickle fiend.
0: Yeah. Well, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um. Now, so from Austria, then, how long were we there? Only for a year. And then to London. Yeah. And and where did you work in London?
1: Uh, it was it this place called the Clove Club? Um, which was a sort of I guess up and coming fine diner at the time, um, which has done some really big stuff, and that was a bit of an eye opener as to like, like real fine dining kitchens alike. yeah um, so hierarchy or yeah, a bit of hierarchy, a little bit of you know British fine dining attitude, um, <laughs> <but> shouty? <laughs> oh, not the shoutiest kitchen I don't think, but like there was a little bit of like like a little bit of quiet aggression floating <laughs> through there type of place where you, you know you you don't leave your tea towel lying down because it'll just disappear behind you, and, you know little little bits and pieces that you have to learn along the way, yeah, a lot of long hours yeah um but like definitely if you're young enough and you can deal with it i mean i I think it exists less and less these days, especially in Australia, but mm. it definitely forms you into learning how much you can do in fifteen minutes and you know. <laughs> You know, working much cleaner and more organised than you ever thought you could, and yeah, yeah, definitely pushing your limits a little bit.
0: Yeah. Wow. And I mean, they, they often uh, older chefs talk about the discipline of the kitchen and how that does. You know, yeah. it, it, it can instil that into you, and it has its has its place. Perhaps I don't know. I think, as you say, it has its place, less and less because. Yes, you need to be disciplined, but there's maybe there's possibly another way to,
1: <laughs> to get there. I absolutely totally agree. There's a reason why I left it and didn't yeah. want to go back to that to that kind of system. I'm, I think that, I think that those kinds of places will probably always exist. Mm. Um, I think that they're becoming much less brutal than what they were. But having said that, I haven't been in it in it in a fair while. Um, but I totally agree. I think that like you. You go through those experiences to figure out whether or not you're going to be that kind of person or if you're going to actively seek to not be that person. Mm. It was very clear for me that I didn't want to be in a type of environment where you felt like certain notions of brutality were going to get the best out of people, because I don't think it does. No. I think it's just ruling the fear.
0: Yeah.
1: And, you know, definitely did a bit of a stage in Austria as well at another fine diner where I, like, that was the first time I'd seen, like, a, like an actual... It felt like you were in a military-esque system, and there was just somebody barking at the front and people jumping to, and I just had never seen that kind of attention before.
0: And I wonder what that does. And I, and I know people go there and they dine in these places, and the food is beautiful, and people have a really good experience, but I just have this um, woo-woo idea that, you know, that the people that are making the food... If, I think that, that energy can go into the food... <laughs> And I, I don't know. I just would rather that food was being made with um, in, a, in a more loving environment <laughs> and um, yeah. a collegial environment. And yeah,
1: yeah. I'd, that's exactly it. I think that like um, you, you usually in those kind of places. I'm mean, hitting a lot of Mark close kitchens for a very good reason. You're, <laughs> you're probably not seeing a lot of smiles coming out that's fine maybe you can call it focus but I think above all things if you can't enjoy your work properly like Mm. genuinely enjoy it and be excited to go there be part of something that is exciting um, because you're actually just kind of scared about making the next mistake it doesn't really further your skills either Mm. like you're not really getting a chance to sort of really bring the best out of yourself and maybe surprise yourself every now and then Mm. it's very closed and on track and I felt like a lot of the stuff that I learnt in London, for instance, like I probably did not execute that anywhere near as well as I did once I took it out of that context and started working with it in a more relaxed environment. Yeah. So doing a lot of the stuff that I learnt there, I only really, really started getting to grips with properly well after.
0: That's really interesting, isn't it? I feel like that was a bit the same, it's not the same at all, but for me learning French, you know, learning French for so many years, even being in France, it wasn't until I came back and had to teach it and then sort of grew to love it more that it really flowed for me I don't know if that's a similar I'm just making up analogies now but um, yeah that is really interesting
1: I think that's actually generally how I kind of ended up being with cooking as well I knew that I loved it and massive interest and I was immersed in it but I think I sucked for a long long time Mm. I'm very happy to admit that and if you talk to Rory um, co-chef and owner um, he was the sous chef where I was the apprentice so we formed our friendship initially in a kitchen where he was my senior, the same age. Mm. Um, and he will tell you a hundred stories of how awful I was. <laughs> like, i a truly awful apprentice for a fair while there. Just yeah, could not get my shit together. Um, so something
0: has to click, doesn't
1: it? Yep. I, I think it does. I think just eventually it does, and... I think that, so that is that, like, for me, it was nerves, I'd say, a lot of nerves, mm, mm, mm. and it was, um, a lot of, sort of, like, compounding pressure upon myself, which I'm very good at, mm. um, and come to terms with a lot better with age, but also it's just because, it's letting it relax a little bit.
0: And yeah.
1: Once you start realising that you're not completely useless, it does kind of flow a little bit better.
0: Yeah. It's interesting, isn't it? And I think it does come with age as well, is that, um they often say imposter syndrome, but you know, that feeling of someone's gonna find out I'm not really that good at it, and then we just step over that and you go, but actually, I am good at this. (laughs) I'm just gonna do it, yeah.
1: Yeah, yeah, pretty much. I think like caring less about what people think as well, you know, that helps.
0: How does that work in Melbourne where there is so much, um, there's a lot of other restaurants, people, everyone's a critic and everyone can write about food and (laughs) um, and everyone's got an opinion. do you re- do you read what's written about you? Um,
1: look, we keep an eye on it. Yeah. Um, well, for you, it's all good. So <laughs> we're, we're lucky. We're, we're We're fortunate. Firstly, in that you know, um, Rory, myself, and Owen, like, none of us are particularly like big industry insiders. You know, we, we don't really move in very big hospital circles there's not a lot of that sort of thing mm. we're already a little bit removed from it and there was a little bit of a worry about opening a place for three of us and like nobody's really that like massively connected like we've definitely got friends in the industry and stuff but mm. it's not like we're going around to a lot of venues and you know um playing the instagram games and stuff like that
0: Be good. <laughs>
1: but when we do read stuff online like about what we're doing and like most of it's been quite positive you know um we have to find our own way to deal with that. Um, we've decided on just posting Joe Strummer quotes. Like That doesn't really have to anything to do with anything. We're just going to post Joe Strummer quotes because he was never wrong, so yeah, okay.
0: we're going to go with that. Yeah, good, good tactic.
1: Yeah, I <laughs> just hope it brings a laugh every now and then when people read it. <laughs>
0: um, now, I really love the photos that went along with the, the broadsheet um, article that I wrote. Um, and... Um, that was Kate, yes, it
1: was, yeah,
0: and um, she really takes great photos, and it reminded me of how much I loved eating those turnips, now, ideas like the turnips mm-hmm. and smoking them over for joa wood and all of those kinds of things which and what you were doing with the the leaves and making the, the, making the most of everything this is such a dumb question. How do you know how to do all that <laughs> <laughs>
1: um, that's, look that 's a lot of. Like, a lot of that comes through passion projects, I think. Like, you sort of got into fermenting for a fair while, still do it. Um, And I think once you got the basis of a couple of those sort of things, you kind of realise what's going to work well with it. Um, You know, the the turnips, the smoked and glazed turnips in themselves was... I mean, it's already off the menu because they're not really very good anymore. Um, That, for me, is a pretty good representation of who we are. That was a very personality-based kind of snack mm. it's a little bit it's a little bit in your face it's a little bit awkward mm. actually like mm. and it's one of those things that makes you think for a minute it's the salty sweet sour smoky and
0: the fact that it's turnips turnips, turnips, yeah. Very yeah. Often see turnips
1: yeah and it's and it's just one of those things i think that like it was kind of a really awesome snack to be able to start off with because it just kind of represents a little bit of what vex is in itself you know we're going to keep sort of putting things out there that might need a little bit of thought, you know.
0: What What's the turnip on the menu now? Um,
1: well, we've changed it into something that's probably a little bit more approachable, but I think we currently have a tomato dish on that is like an anti-tomato dish in a way. Like, it's really not... I, I just, you know, it's the type of thing where I said I, I didn't want to put on a tomato dish with like a fresh cheese and a herb kind of thing. Mm. Like, I just, like, done it done it plenty um um we're doing it with like they're sort of like warm through the oven peeled and warmed through the oven um slow roasted down a little bit and then served with like a caramelized whey sauce and horseradish and linseed crackers and it's a plate of brown and red um it's like the least summery tomato dish you've ever seen but <laughs> it's it's super interesting and delicious i think yeah um and I just, like, sometimes you just want to put a different perspective on things that people probably just have a lot of anyway at this point in time, so.
0: I'm getting more of a sense of the name Vex now, too. I can see what you're doing here. <laughs> yeah, yeah,
1: a little bit. We're sort of, like, yeah. Like, it's definitely a world away from, like, when I first started writing menus and it was all, like, blood and hearts and livers and um, you know, still veg focused, but like lots of fats through it. Like I was just throwing a lot of awful at people. Yeah, which I still love, but yeah, yeah I've definitely like learned to restrain from as well. Well, that brings
0: its own challenges, doesn't it? <laughs> yes, yeah,
1: yeah. I mean, we we write a small menu so that people are kind of like a little bit bottlenecked into like having our way a little, like at this point in time. Yeah. Um, but I think there's still plenty of approachable things on there too.
0: Mm. Do you think about food all the time?
1: Yes. Yeah, mostly. Yeah. Um, I don't know if I'll ever stop, to be fair. Um, like, it it starts off with produce, but, like, sometimes, like, I don't conceptualise dishes too much. You know, like, in the kitchen here, we, you know, with Rory and Owen, like, much like everything that we do here, we kind of do it together. And it's when raw produce, produce comes in, we're going to have a look at it, uh, you know, we have a taste of it, and then sort of start having discussions around it. Um, everybody's got a different reference point. So whatever I think about something, the other two might have different ideas, you know. Um, you know, it's, it's always gonna be a little bit like that, but at the end of the day, yeah, food is kind of everything.
0: It's <laughs> a good place to end. <laughs> Pretty much. Thank you. No, thank you. <laughs> You've been listening to Conversation with a Chef. I'm Jo Ritty, and thank you so much for joining me today. If you'd like to read the full transcript of the conversation, you can go to www.conversationwithachef.com, or follow me on Instagram, so you'll always be up to date with the latest conversation.